Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. It's How Do We Fix It with Richard and Jim. Minds over medicine, the impact on our health. Joe Marchant. So are you saying that if we believe something works, it may work? In some cases, yes. <laughs> Neuroscientists studying that have found that placebo painkiller, your belief in that pill, triggers very similar changes in the brain to what the actual painkillers do. Our show is about fixes. Yeah, how to make the world a better place. How, how do, do we, we fix, fix it? it? How do we fix it? Before we start our show today, a plug for downloads. Please go and download us, and iTunes is a good way to do it. It really helps our exposure, and if you want to leave a comment, especially one of those nice ones and those yeah, five-star five reviews, star. it always helps with our visibility. So, Richard, you've gone and done something without me. Well, you were away, Jim. I, I had to speak with somebody interesting because you weren't there right, to talk Right, right. So I was out of town last week, and I wasn't able to join you for your interview with Joe Marchant. But I listened to the interview. I have to say you did an admirable job, even without me by your side. And uh, looking forward to discussing it with you. Okay, Richard, over to you. Today, we're talking about medicine, what works, what doesn't. Do you know anyone who struggles with a chronic disease that hasn't found a cure in modern medicine? Well, many Americans, more than one in three, in fact, are turning to alternative medicine. But do these alternative therapies actually work? Here today to talk about that is Joe Marchant. Joe is the author of Cure, A Journey into the Science of Mind Over Body, and Joe joins us via Skype from London. Welcome. Hi, thanks for having me. Sure. I think everybody... I know, has, has opinions about what are the best cures, even if they're totally unqualified to have those opinions. So, so my first question is, does alternative medicine work in more cases than many of us realize? Well, the definition of alternative medicine is really something that hasn't been shown to work in scientific trials. And that means when you compare it against a placebo or a fake version of that medicine there's no difference between the two often we jump from there to saying well then that therapy doesn't work it doesn't help patients but that's not really what those trials show but often both groups both do better often better than conventional medicine and so that's what i'm interested in looking at is well what's going on there what are we missing you've asked the second question which is what is going on there what are we missing 
I think it's the role of the mind. It's the fact that our um, our mental state, our emotions, our beliefs, our hopes, our memories, all of these things have a big effect on our physiology. And just to give you an example, if I ask your listeners to imagine a lemon, a nice bright yellow juicy lemon, and if they could imagine picking it up and just biting into it just Ooh. sink your teeth into it suck that sharp juice <laughs> down your sour taste. and you may experience a tingling at the back of your mouth um, and that is your salivary glands switching on and now that is an aspect of physiology that is not under normal conscious control i couldn't just say to you please switch on your salivary glands but we can use a visualization a thought um, of a lemon to trigger that and so when we receive a medical treatment there's the active physical effect of the drug or the surgery but there's also a very big psychological effect what receiving that treatment means to us and that can have a very big impact on our health and so alternative treatments they don't necessarily have that physical mode of action but that psychological mode of action the effect it's having on your mind can be very powerful very strong and particularly for chronic diseases that aren't well treated by conventional medicine and for symptoms that we experience things like pain nausea fatigue anxiety depression all of those things that conventional medicine is not very good at treating but these kind of chronic symptoms these are the things where our minds really can play a very big role so are you saying that if we believe something works it may work in some cases yes (laughs) neuroscientists studying that have found that placebo painkiller your belief in that pill triggers very similar changes in the brain to what the actual painkillers do it triggers the release of endorphins these natural pain relieving chemicals in the brain patients with parkinson's disease for example they have problems with movement caused by lack of dopamine in the brain when they take a placebo there's a flood of dopamine in their brains just as when they would take their real pill so our mental state is causing these biological changes, very similar to changes caused by drugs. There are also cases where your state of mind influences the immune system. We know that when we're stressed, it triggers a branch of the immune system called inflammation, which can be very damaging to the body if it's switched on long term. But if you can find ways to reduce that stress, that can bring down the inflammation. So let me ask you about your background. You're a scientist, right? And you came to this belief that the mind can play a role uh, as a bit of a skeptic. Is that right? Well, an open-minded skeptic, I would say. Yeah, I have a PhD in genetics, so I came from a conventional scientific background, but I've worked for the last um, 15, 20 years or so as a science journalist. So I believe uh, very strongly in evidence-based approach, that we have to investigate things in a scientific way. But on the other hand, I, I also started to feel that science has a bit of a blind spot when it comes to the role of the mind in health. A lot of skeptics dismiss the whole idea that the mind can influence our bodies. The very idea of healing thoughts is just deluded, dangerous, quackery. And, you know, I, I had a feeling that that wasn't necessarily true. Another factor for me was having kids because whereas before I would mix mostly with scientists and science journalists, when you have children, you're talking to, to other mums, you meet a whole different group of people. And I realized that a, a lot of my new friends from this world actually believe very strongly in alternative medicine. And skeptics often say, well, if someone's into alternative medicine, they're just stupid or ignorant or deluded. But these are intelligent, educated people who would insist that these medicines had worked for them. There's a lovely story about you 
and another mum at a sandbox watching your kids at a playground in London. And she's telling you about the wonders of homeopathy. Uh, can you tell me more about that? There were two mums there swapping stories about how much it had helped them. And, you know, homeopathy's remedies are diluted so much that the active ingredient is diluted and diluted and diluted and diluted so far that none of it actually remains in the remedy that you would take. So it's just water. And so from a scientific perspective, there's no possible mechanism by which that could do anything to you. You'll often see sceptical scientists downing huge overdoses of homeopathic sleeping pills and obviously not falling asleep and doesn't do anything. And so in this conversation as a scientist, I felt that I had to say to these other mums, you know, it's great that you feel that this worked for you, but there's there's nothing in a homeopathic remedy. This mum just looked at me and she just went, well nothing measurable. And, and I really felt that that summed up the difference in these worldviews, that the scientists are focused on the physical world, objective, measurable things, whereas subjective things that we can't measure are not seen as so scientific. So you feel that there are shortfalls to both of those views? I don't think either of those positions is very helpful. Um, there are lots of conditions where we do need conventional treatments and people die if they think that they can just think themselves better from cancer or, or whatever it is. Um, on the other hand, if we deny the role of the mind in health, we end up massively over-medicating stress-related conditions, chronic conditions, pain, anxiety. And so I really think that we need to have an intelligent combination of the two. Are there well-conducted studies that show that indeed the mind can help for a, a particular ailment? Well, it all depends on the ailment. Um, so we know from placebo studies that getting a, a fake treatment, if you believe in that treatment, can have very significant effects on things like pain, um, anxiety, depression, um, skin conditions, um, we also know from trials, if you look at alternative medicines, um, things like acupuncture, there are trials in thousands of people with chronic low back pain showing that there's no difference between the real acupuncture and sort of fake or placebo acupuncture, but actually both groups do better than conventional treatment. I'm glad you mentioned acupuncture because I have a personal story. Uh, I had terrible hay fever in my 20s when I lived in England actually every July uh, I, I was completely miserable and I was on the radio doing a show on LBC in London and I got a caller who, who phoned me up and said you, know, you sound pretty awful and I said yeah yeah I do and she said uh, acupuncture try it and I tried all kinds of different pills and none of that had worked and I went to an acupuncturist in London and after several treatments, I was a lot better. So I believe in acupuncture. But are you telling me that that was a placebo? Because it certainly worked for me in a way that these other treatments hadn't. Although I will say I invested a lot of time going to an acupuncturist. So maybe I really wanted to believe it. Acupuncture is an interesting one because there are some studies showing that acupuncture is better than placebo for certain forms of pain, for post-operative nausea. So there is something going on there with acupuncture. But for a lot of things, there is no difference between real and fake acupuncture, but actually both of those do really well. The experience of it seems to have an effect. And certainly with allergies, um, there is obviously an immunological basis, but in terms of the symptoms, we, we can learn to have a certain response. For example, if you just smell the grass, that association can trigger the symptoms of hay fever on its own with or without the pollen.
And we know that psychological techniques can help to alleviate symptoms of your allergy. Many parts of the United States are gripped with a growing problem over opioids and pain-killing drugs. So can we come up with more effective ways to treat people? Yes, absolutely. And there's a lot of people looking at this. The U.S. has less than 5% of the world's population, but uses more than 80% of the world's opioid supply. Rather than just giving people pills and opioids from the beginning, realizing that there are a lot of different factors that influence pain and other ways of helping people to cope with it, but also other ways of helping people to get off those drugs once they're on them. So in Cure, I look at virtual reality as a treatment for acute pain in burns patients, for example. This is using like the, the Oculus Rift and, and VR devices. Yeah, absolutely. The idea is that the brain only has a certain capacity for conscious attention. So if your attention is being compelled by something like a virtual reality world that you're in, there's less attention left over for experiencing pain. And there's lots of studies showing that works for acute pains. Now there's a shift looking to see, well, can we use that for chronic pain, both to give people a break in the short term, but also to to teach them the, the influence that the mind Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Has over pain. The show is How Do We Fix It? I'm Richard Davies, and my colleague Jim Meggs is away as we're recording this interview, but we will be back uh, at the end of the show talking about different solutions and our responses to this fascinating interview with Joe Marchant, who is the author of Cure, A Journey into the Science of Mind Over Body. Before we talk about solutions... I just want to ask you, Joe, do you think some alternative therapies are a lot better than others? Well, again, it comes back to the definition of alternative. And and usually I would think of that being as something that doesn't work better than placebo in trials. And therefore, that therapy isn't working in the way that the practitioner's say that it's working it's working through the role of the mind and so for me i think what we need to do is study that in a scientific way and work out well what are the real active ingredients of these therapies if it's positive expectation if it's stress reduction if it's belief what is it that's creating these healing effects when people have these alternative therapies and let's try and incorporate those back into conventional medicine so in the book i look at Doctors in Manchester in the UK, for example, using hypnotherapy and getting very good results with patients with irritable bowel syndrome. And they've got very good results in clinical trials now and having some almost miraculous 
effects on some people. I met patients who were suicidal with the horrendous symptoms from irritable bowel syndrome and hypnotherapy doesn't work on everybody but I met patients for whom it had really um, absolutely transformed their lives. I met um, I met researchers in Harvard in, in Massachusetts who were looking at um, honest placebos whether we can take fake pills and know it's a pill and they were also seeing positive results in in chronic pain for example they were also looking at the effects of care so when you have an empathic therapist what difference does that make to symptoms and so rather than going to alternative treatments i think it's understanding how we can use our minds to get the best outcome for our health that's fascinating one thing you mention in your book is is the impact of human interaction could you talk more about that Every treatment that we receive is working in different ways. There's this direct physical action of a drug, but also there's the psychological impact that it has. And so researchers are trying to get at that by giving people painkillers. So people recovering from surgery, you can give people the drug either with a doctor coming in and saying, we're giving you your drug now, or you can just put it into the IV line without telling the patient. So this, the drug is the same. One group know that they're getting it, they're being told by the doctor, and the other group don't know. And there is a huge difference in the amount of pain relief people feel in those two different situations. So that's showing you that every time you take a painkiller, a large part of that, between one-third to two-thirds, depending on the circumstances, is actually down to your belief in that drug. Is there a way to use placebos in a conventional medical setting? Um, yeah, absolutely. There are a lot of researchers looking at this at the moment. Um, so we know that the, the look and the design and the appearance of pills makes a big difference to the placebo effects that they, they trigger. So bigger pills work better than smaller ones, for example. That, that's um, amazing. <laughs> well, it, it, basically, anything that gives the impression of a potent, impressive treatment will trigger a larger placebo effect. And beyond that, you say that social connections throughout our lives can be crucial. Um, you give one example involving a group of relatively poor people in, in Costa Rica who, who actually have fair, fairly high rates of obesity and high blood pressure, but they live longer than, than most other folks. Yes, this is in a particular region of Costa Rica called the Nicoya Peninsula, where men have some of the highest longevity on the planet higher than Japan, for example. This is really surprising because usually life expectancy correlates with, with wealth and you know how, how good your healthcare system is. Um, and this is a particularly poor region of Costa Rica. And the researchers are still working on exactly what's going on. They've ruled out loads of different things to do with diet and genetics, for example. And they think it's social connections. They still have quite a traditional way of life here where you have people live among big extended families people are still very involved in the life of the community as they get older and they think that this is what's keeping those people young and in general we know that having strong social connections is one of the best things that you can do for your health it's more protective than giving up smoking for example and also to conclude joe a bottom line finding of your book, because we should combine traditional and alternative therapies more in, in our healthcare. Yeah, I mean, not necessarily 
using alternative therapies, although I certainly think that people should be allowed to do that, but really appreciating the role of the mind in health. And that doesn't mean thinking, oh, the mind can heal us from everything. It's some magical miracle cure. It just means maintaining an evidence-based approach so that we can take the best from the physical approaches to treatment and from using the mind, using those two things together in an intelligent way. I really like your scientific approach. And nobody could accuse you of quackery um, in the way you... I hope not. <laughs> well, <laughs> There's I hope a lot I of don't. references in the book. I was so determined that nobody be able to question the research. So, yeah. Great. Joe Marchant, thanks very much. <laughs> Thank you. All right, go ahead. Go for it. So, Richard, again, really nice job. I, I, there, there weren't any questions that I would have asked if I'd been there that I don't think you, Ooh, that sounds, you didn't hit, so good. that's good. But what I want to stress in the wrap-up is it's really important to focus on what she's not saying. She's not saying Western medicine is too narrow in its focus. It's too obsessed with just measuring things, and therefore it needs to be overturned or challenged by these more natural therapies from other cultures. She's not saying that. She's saying that Western medicine is not complete and that we're discovering, as we do explore some of these alternative therapies, that some of them really do work for reasons we don't understand. And and we're starting to learn that the way our minds interact with our bodies is a big part of why they work. Yeah, she approaches this as a scientist and and a scientific journalist. not as someone who's an advocate for one specific cause. Yes, and the reason I stress this is I feel there's a strong, strong strain in our culture today, which is deeply, uh, which is which is deeply suspicious of the Western rational tradition, and constantly embracing almost any other tradition as long as it's not Western, it must be superior. And I think that being open to knowledge or ideas that come from outside. Um, Western medicine is a great thing. But sooner or later, we do have to start testing them and see if they work. And what's so cool about the research she's done or the way that she reviews the research that's out there is she is looking at studies. She is looking at what works and then trying to dig a little deeper into why it works. I think, though, she also is saying sometimes we are, perhaps because of our Western rational approach, that we get obsessed with quick fixes. We think pills will fix everything when sometimes it's other therapies that will help us. A a great example is that the U.S. uses 80% of all the world's opioid drugs and that drugs, when it comes to pain, are not the only answer, that we can use other therapies. We should look carefully at hypnotherapy, for instance. We should look carefully at uh, the use of virtual reality. It, that idea that a quick 15-minute prescription and short meeting with a doctor will fix us, that we need to change. And I think she's absolutely right about that. And I think that you're right. It's the quick fix mentality. Part of that's driven by the economics of medicine. Uh, I remember a surgeon one time, uh, a family friend, he took a trip to China early in the days when uh, China was just starting to open up to study Chinese medicine. And he said, he came back and said, well, you know, this acupuncture thing really seems to work for certain patients, certain conditions. The challenge is it's just so time consuming. <laughs> you know, in the U.S., it's hard to have such a highly trained person spending hours and hours with a single patient. I, I had never seen that perspective before, but it's it is a concern. What I like in her ideas is ways that we can take some of these ideas 
and let the patient perhaps take the lead in in using some of these therapies that can augment or even replace things like you know a pain pill something else that came up in our interview which is really interesting to me is that people who live in tightly knit groups can live longer and better lives lives with less disease even if their diet isn't particularly good or they have high blood pressure or they weigh more than they should, mm-hmm. that we should also be looking at the importance of community. And we've done a few shows on this topic. The importance of having a sense of belonging, of being part of community. If, if there's anything that I think we should be emphasizing in our society today, as so many of us are being driven apart and kind of atomized, is this notion of togetherness and community. And here, look, it even has an impact on your health. Before we go away, we are getting very close to the 100th, how do we fix it? So and we'll be giving away a car. <laughs> we'll be giving away some free ideas at least in a future show. I want to do a show on what you and I, Jim, have learned in our first 100 shows. So that'll be coming up soon. That might be a short show. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> that'll be great. A short show for you, a long one for me. It's How Do We Fix It? I'm Richard Davis. And I'm Jim Meggs. And thanks for joining us. Our producer is Miranda Schaefer. And our music is by Lou Stravinsky. Uh, the show is produced by Davies Content. We make digital audio for companies and nonprofits. Check out our website. We're at DaviesContent.com. We may have some podcast solutions for you. 